Alright, so we're going to be talking, like I said, talking about spiritual disciplines. And it seems appropriate to talk about disciplines as we begin this new year. I know the new year, uh, you know, what are we, today the 10th? It was 10 days ago, uh, but it's still new. And even based on uh, your attendance here, I'm going to assume that you desire to, to grow in your relationship with the Lord this year and to see spiritual growth. Um, of course, we know it's not easy. And I think anybody in here uh, would attest that it is not an easy thing to do. Uh, I mean, even the word discipline itself, we don't like that. Because discipline means typically struggle, diligence, hard, uh, sometimes pain. And so it's, it's not an easy thing. Uh, so it makes us think of these things. And oftentimes life feels hard and it feels like it's a struggle. Uh, oftentimes when we, uh, we, we don't know if, or we feel... By the way, we can't trust our feelings, but we feel like, Lord, are you there? Do you hear my prayers? Do you, do you care about what's going on in my life? And so we need to develop these disciplines that will help us in those times. It is a battle that the, the Apostle Paul, he knew very well. He knew exactly, he knew very well uh, that life uh, was a struggle and that he needed discipline in his life. 1 Corinthians 9, 25-27, and this is on your your handout if you're interested. But uh, that verse says, Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I, dis- I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul understood exactly what it meant. It says I, he beats his body into submission. He had, a, he had a zero laser, a laser focus on what he was doing in life, what his calling was, and he knew exactly what, uh, he, what he was uh, desiring to do. You know, he talks about, he has this, uh, this picture of athletes and exercise, and you, know, you think about the Olympics are coming back up again this year, and those people who... Uh, desire to compete in the Olympics, they've been training for this their entire life. But they've really been training even uh, harder over the last four years. And so you think about when Michael Phelps uh, was training to, uh, for swimming and what, what was his goal was to win the gold, the gold medal. And so you read about his training regimens and the amount of calories. He had a certain number of calories he's going to eat a day. He knew exactly what time he's going to go to bed every day. He knew uh, his, everything was marked was very disciplined, very diligent, with a purpose of winning. It was all to win a gold medal. And so Paul is using this imagery when he's talking about spiritual disciplines. And he disciplined himself. He said, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. And this is something that is not, it's, it's hard to do. Previously in this chapter, And we talk about this focus that Paul had previously in this chapter. Paul talks about his willingness to surrender his rights. And oftentimes you hear Christians say, I have liberty. And we do have liberty. But there are times we need to limit our liberty for the sake of Christ, for the sake of others. So you may have liberty to do something in Christ, but would cause another brother to stumble. I need to limit my liberty and discipline myself so that I would not cause another to stumble and Paul, he talks about this a lot. He talks about this. Uh, he used this pertaining to eating meat because meat would cause eating meat would cause another brother to stumble. He says, "I will never eat meat 
Again, he loved others and he loved his brothers and sisters more than he loved his liberty and his freedom. So Paul's talking about his willingness to surrender his rights, this Christian liberty. Um, He talks about his willingness to surrender uh, his desires. And why did he do it? For the sake of the gospel. He disciplined himself and he's willing to lay down his rights for the sake of the gospel. He could have demanded respect. He could have demanded that they paid him. Paul was not paid in Corinth. And uh, even though he should have been paid, but he says, I did this free of charge and I gave up my rights because I just because I love to preach the gospel. That's the God's calling on my life. So the gospel of Jesus Christ was the most important thing in Paul's life. And he was willing to give up everything that he might be able to preach the gospel and also live it out faithfully. And we know that he did. Was he perfect? No. You could read in Romans where he struggled. And he's, you probably would be familiar with the passage where he's like, all the things I want to do, I don't find myself doing. The things I don't want to do, those are the things I end up I do. And there's this battle that's waging inside. And so he's talking, and we all can identify with that. And so Paul was not perfect. But we do know that he lived his life out faithfully uh, to the Lord. And this takes spiritual discipline. It takes spiritual discipline. So too often today, Christians are content with merely being, being in the race rather than diligently paying the price to win. And we have to pay a price. Again, athletes are very diligent in their training, in the way that they eat, in their sleep. Um, all these things to win, and they do it to win uh, the prize, whatever it may be, whether it be a Super Bowl or whether it be a gold medal or whether it be whatever it is, they do it to win. They, they do all these things with a purpose, with a goal to win. And so this, this was a foreign idea to Paul, this idea of just being in the race, but I'm not really going to pay the price to win. Paul's like, that's crazy. That's crazy talk. Why would we do this? And so he, he played, or he, not played, but he lived his life such a way to win. Every Christian should strive to win just as the victor did in the Grecian games, which is kind of the imagery that he was using. So I hope for this series to be helpful and practical. Tonight will be a lot of lists and things like that um, as we talk about just kind of what, what it is. But I uh, hope it will be uh, helpful and practical as we strive to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ, but we need to begin by understanding what are spiritual disciplines and why are they important. And then going forward over the next three weeks, we'll talk about some of these specific ones um, that we that uh, will whatever we have time uh, to do over these next three weeks. So I want us to understand what are spiritual disciplines and why are they important. And the first thing is we need to understand the power of sin over us. And that will help us grasp the meaning and necessity for spiritual gifts. Satan is deceiving. He's very deceptive. He's very good. And and he's cunning. And so we have to be aware of this. And the power that sin has over us is a strong force that we struggle with. And we're in a battle with this until the day that we die. And so we're going to look at four areas pertaining to spiritual disciplines tonight. The first area we're going to look at is sin. Is sin, and I, I broke these four areas up on your handout. If you're interested, um, by the way, on the back, by the way, on the back of that, this is just uh, and I and I cited where we got it from. It's spiritual disciplines, exploring classic disciplines of the faith. It's 
So uh, that's where I got this from. So this was verbatim, word for word. I typed it up uh, just just as a help. What spiritual disciplines should be and what they should not be. So this is just for you to have. And so we're not going to go through all of those. But talking, going back to where we were, talking about sin. And the Bible explains the sin problem with several different metaphors. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to be going to a lot of different uh, references here. So I hope you're ready. And the first thing he calls it is a snare. And so go to Proverbs chapter 5. We have to understand the power of sin if we want to have discipline in our lives. And so Matthew, or Proverbs chapter 5, verse 20, verses 22 and 23. And he's particularly here, he's, he's talking about um, guarding against adultery in Proverbs chapter 5. But it could, we could apply this to anything in our lives. Uh, verse 22, the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he, is held, and he is held fast in cords of his sin. He dies for a lack of discipline, and because of, because of his folly, he is led astray. See, so say he dies, but he says his lack of discipline has led him to this. Oftentimes when we are led into sin, it's a lack of discipline um, on our part. And so, go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12. And we'll read verses 1 and 2. Keep in mind, the Bible is calling sin a snare. It's a trap uh, that we get caught in. Uh, verse 12, uh, chapter, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Your version may see easily ensnares us or something to that effect. But cling so closely and let us run with endurance this race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right, right hand of the throne of God. Looking back in verse 1, it says, Let us run this race with endurance, this race that is set before us. You would never put, if you're going to win a race, you would never try to put on weight. You would never put on weight packs and things like that. Now, you might do that if you're trying to gain speed at some point, but when race time comes, you're going to get rid of all that stuff so that you can run with endurance. And this is what Paul says, or, well, maybe Paul, we don't know exactly, but I just, um, we don't know who said that in Hebrews exactly. Uh, but he says, the writer of Hebrews says, uh, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that, so eat, that clings so closely. And it's hard, and we carry these things, we carry this weight, and it's hard to run this race with endurance. How do we do it? He says, throw these things aside, and where do we look? Unto Jesus. Look, look to Jesus, who is, the, who is the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so we see that sin is called a snare. And the writer of Hebrews says, put these things aside so that you can run. So you can run with endurance. The next thing we see is that sin, it enslaves. Go to Genesis chapter 4.
We're going way back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. And so clearly at some point God had given directions as what was appropriate to bring for a sacrifice and what was not. Cain decided not to do it God's way in verse 7. He's, and uh, God comes to him. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. And so sin, uh, God says, would I not accept you as well if you would do what's right? Would I not accept your offering? And he said, and, and so it's a rhetorical question, but Cain, uh, he became angry when someone in authority legitimately corrects him. Uh, it revealed that the selfishness um, in his heart. And God's authority, he did not submit to God's authority. And so he was enslaved to sin. And of course, sin brings forth death. And he followed through with that and he killed his brother. Go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 34. And Jesus says, says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And so we be, sin is, and, and again, sin is powerful and we struggle with it. And when we, and it, it will enslave us. When we've been freed from sin, when we come to know Christ, we've been freed. But if we allow it to, we can become enslaved to it again. So he says, Any, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Then go to Romans chapter 7. Verse 14. Romans seven fourteen. For we know the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not, and this is what I was talking about earlier, I do not understand my own actions. For I do not know what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in, dwells in me, that is my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but the ability to carry it out. But not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want to do, I keep on doing. <coughs> now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find to be the law not law. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God but in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And so he says, I am a horrible person, wretched man am I. And what a great verse we have. In verse 25, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, Jesus Christ our Lord. It says we are delivered by Jesus Christ. 
And we've been delivered by Jesus Christ. And now we want to grow in our relationship with Him. Sin enslaves. It's deadly. We have to guard against it. Romans 6. Go to Romans chapter 6. Next thing we see is that, it, it, again, that it is deadly. Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. That's what we've earned. We have earned death. We've earned punishment from God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have the bad news. The bad news is we deserve death. We've earned it. That is the wages our sin has earned us. But, uh, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have the bad news. And we have the good news. It is that Jesus Christ has paid that debt um, on our behalf. Go to Romans chapter 5. <coughs> verse 12. Chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin was in, indeed was in the world before the law was given. Yet sin is not counted to where there is no law. But what we see here is that there came sin into the world through one man and sin uh, and through death through sin. James says that sin brings forth death. And so it is deadly. Sin is deadly. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. This describes us before we knew Christ. So before you knew Christ, it says this is talking about you. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. That is Satan. He is, that is a title for him. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. It says this was you. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. But again, that's the bad news. The good news comes later on in Ephesians chapter 2. Well, we, by grace, we've been saved through faith. Also, the Bible describes it. I keep it on my time here. I don't want to keep us too long. But uh, it describes sin as a sickness. Go to Psalm 32. Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5. This is the Psalm of David after he has he has committed sin, and he's talking about uh, how it affected him. In Psalm thirty-two, verses one through five, it says, "Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day, all all day long." For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength had dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledge you, or acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. David was, it was affecting him physically. And when we try to conceal our sin and we're unwilling to confess, it sucks the vitality out of us. And so we see that here. 
Another, another thing the Bible calls it is impurity. Go to Psalm 51. Another Psalm of David. A man after God's own heart who messed up royally. But what made him a man after God's own heart? He confessed his sin. He recognized that he sinned and he confessed and received the forgiveness of God. And so Romans, or not Romans, Psalm chapter 51, verse 2. Well, actually, we'll start in verse 1. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He recognized that he was, he was dirty, that he was impure, and he needed to be washed from that. And finally, the last thing we see here, uh, the, what the Bible des- describes a sin as, is it is a separator. It separates us from God. Go to um, Isaiah 59. Oops, go too far. Isaiah 59. <clears throat> Verses 1 and 2. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. You see, when we we sin, we are driving that, we are grieving the Holy Spirit, and we're driving a wedge between us and him, and it's going to hinder our relationship with him. There can be no harmony in our relationship with him with our sin. Ephesians chapter 2, go back there. We just were. Ephesians chapter 2. And I love how Paul does this oftentimes in his, in his letters. He says, this is what you used to be. This was you. And in Ephesians chapter 2, he's reminding us of this. Verse 12. It says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. This is before you knew Christ. You're separated from Him. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world. It says, this is what you were. Remember that. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once have been far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down the wall, uh, broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law uh, of commands expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself a new man, a one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, therefore by killing the hostility. It says, you once were separated from God, but thanks be to God that because of Jesus Christ, you are no longer separated from him. And so we see here, the problem of sin. And so this is, this, we went through all this so we can see why these spiritual disciplines are important. Is because sin is powerful. And Satan is deceptive. And if we're not careful, if we're not disciplining ourselves, we could fall into that. And sin disguises itself as habits. Oh, I have a bad habit of doing this. I have a bad habit of doing that. Well, no, I just sin when I do this and I sin when I do that. Uh, we all have bad habits. You have them. I have them. We, when we, when we, a lot of times we say, oh, I have a bad habit of doing something. Really, it's disguising it. A sin disguises itself as that. 
these habits, these behaviors and thoughts that have become second nature. Uh, maybe like when you're yelling at the guy on the road in anger. I do that on the way here tonight, so uh, on Big Spring Street. And the lady who cut me off um, at the loop. And so this happens multiple times on the way here every day. But it's, it's second nature. I don't have to think about that. It just comes out. And so we talk about these bad habits. And so it's these behaviors, thoughts that become second nature. These habits require time and repetition to become entrenched, uh, ingrained in who we are. And they enslave us and they lead us to deadly consequences. Because sin brings forth what? Death. Scripture says sin brings forth death. And so it makes us sick. It corrupts us and ultimately separates us from God. Uh, That is what ultimately keeps people out of heaven is that they are separated from God because of sin. Sin is what separates us from God and it disguises itself as these habits and we call them bad habits. But the thing is, the good news is, is that over time we can develop better habits. We develop godly habits. Spiritual disciplines Those are practices we do regularly that can help us change. Of course, with the power and grace of the Holy Spirit. Our sinful habits, we turn our sinful habits into good habits and make us more like Christ and closer to to Him. Closer connected. And so it's something that, it's not going to happen tomorrow. You can't have a bad habit today and say, well, tomorrow I'm I'm different. And by the way, if you just say, I'm going to be different tomorrow in my own power, you're going to fall tomorrow. It requires the help of the Holy Spirit working inside of us and transforming us. We don't need to be outwardly changed. You can do a little bit of outward change for a little while, but eventually you're going to fall. Because we need to be not just outwardly changed and cleaned up, we need to be transformed from the inside out. And this is what salvation does. It transforms us from the inside out, not the outside in. And so we need to be transformed. And so these spiritual disciplines help us to foster this second area we're going to look at tonight. We're done. We're, we've talked about sin, but now we're going to talk about spiritual disciplines and salvation. Now we are saved by and through grace alone. There is no there is no amount of good works you could do. There's no amount of discipline in your life you could do to ever appease God, to ever gain or earn salvation. There's nothing we can do to earn it. Spiritual disciplines are not behaviors. They are not behaviors or practices uh, that make us right with God in any way. They don't make us. They don't make us right. Uh, we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. And so we need to recognize and understand that uh, Ephesians two eight nine cannot be any more clear when it says, "For by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not as not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, uh, not a result of works, so that no one may boast." Spiritual disciplines are tools that the Holy Spirit can use to renew our hearts. And so when we're spending time in God's Word, we're spending time in prayer, we're spending time uh, maybe in solitude, or there's times you may, be, you may fast, there's times that we, we worship together, there's, or worship on our own as well. Uh, we, we talk about all these different um, these spiritual disciplines. Uh, they begin to renew our heart and to change us. And again, it won't happen... Tomorrow. So if you come in here tonight with a bad habit and you say, I'm going to change it tomorrow. Now, with God's help, you can start little changes. Hopefully start tomorrow and move forward. But it's not going to be completely gone and done with uh, quickly. It's something that takes time. Some spiritual disciplines 
um, that have been commonly practiced by believers of the centuries include things like Bible study, Bible reading, prayer, fasting, worship, service, solitude, discernment, evangelism. And we practice these disciplines, it does something to us. And it says something about what's going on inside of us. First of all, we recognize that Jesus is the king of our lives. When we say, hey, I'm putting these things into practice because I love the Lord and I want to honor him and I want to bring honor and glory to him. We are recognizing that he is in charge of our lives. Second thing is we acknowledge that we belong to him. Saying, I'm not living for myself. I'm living for the Lord. Also, we seek to live out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 list out what the fruit of the Spirit are. And we need to be reminded there's a reason it's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's because the Spirit produces those things. You can't produce those things on your own. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You can't do these things on your own. Only the Spirit of God in you can do that. And so, I'm not a lot of those things. I'm opposite of those things. That is in my that is my sin nature. That's who I am. And, but it, this is something that only the Spirit can produce in me. Is, is those kinds is the fruit of the Spirit. These uh, disciplines also help us recognize God's calling and promptings in our lives and identify those areas of, of our lives that still need to be renewed. They make us sensitive and humble to follow God's leading. Is that as you spend more time with God, as you spend more time in His Word, as you spend more time in prayer? Solitude, some of these things that we'll we'll look at in the weeks to come. As we do these things, we will become more sensitive to the leading of God. They also help us realize that we depend completely on God's, God's grace at every moment and for everything. I saw a quote last week. It said this, said what we need in our churches today or what we need in our churches today is not a declaration of independence. And we are people who say, I want to be independent. I don't want to depend on anyone. This is what we need in our churches today. It's not this declaration of independence. What we need is the declaration of dependence. Dependence on God. Is that we must depend on Him. If we want to bring honor and glory to Him, we have to depend on His grace that He gives us on a daily basis. They train and equip us to respond in a worthy manner when life throws problems and storms at us. And so they are very beneficial, but they do not bring salvation. Salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ alone by His grace. The third area is spiritual disciplines in the Bible. Now, contemporary society is fascinated with spirituality. And you can find all kinds of books and self-help but You can find self-help books about anything. And now let me just warn you, there's a lot of these just self-help books in the Christian bookstore. So you can't go, hey, just because it sells at Bardot, I can. this must be good. That's just not right. And so we need to have discernment there. But there's, uh, they're fascinated with spirituality. You can sit down and have a conversation with somebody, and you can find out, and, and most people will talk about spiritual things. They may have some crazy ideas, but they'll talk about them. And so uh, they're, they're fascinated with, uh, with spirituality and, and the self-help stuff. But there's a difference between that or... Uh, uh, these Christian spiritual disciplines. For instance, you can go to the bookstore, you can find self-improvement books. Um, you can also find a spiritual maturity of, uh, for the spiritual maturity of each person and the community as a whole, is that, hey, I'm going to study this topic and I'm going to study with other believers. I don't need to just clean myself up. 
I mean, I've got a lot of things I need to clean up in my life. Um, but, you know, all these, these self-help. Hey, here's how you lose 50 pounds in 30 days. This is how you... All these different things, they're out there. You want to help yourself? You can find it. Um, but that is not a wisdom from above. This, the, the world says uh, self-realization. The fulfillment of your fulfilling uh, your potential and your abilities. Um, as a believer, we want to be people who have the fruit of the Spirit exhibited in our lives. Again, the world says you need to be self-sufficient. As believers, we want to be dependent upon God. And so we see a big difference in the world's wisdom versus God's wisdom. Uh, when the world says, based on your own work and dedication, as, as believers, we say, hey, no, we're based on the grace of God. On the grace of God alone. Not on my own merits, not on anything that I can do. I'm basing my life and everything on the grace of God. So all these spiritual disciplines that we're going to talk about in the weeks to come, they're found in Scripture. We must not rely on the world's wisdom, but God's wisdom that's found in His Word. God's Word provides everything we need to live a life that honors and glorifies Him. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. Verse 3. And you'll, be, uh, you'll probably be familiar with this passage, but do you truly believe it? Do you truly, a lot of times we read this passage, but do we truly believe it? And so, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. Actually, I think I'm in the wrong class. Go to 2 Peter. That's a good passage too. Hey, here we go. Now we're right. Wrong Peter. But uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 is good too. But uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. His divine power has granted to, to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own, own glory and excellence. By which he has granted us, uh, granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that you may become partakers in the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement uh, supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours... And are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't we want to do that as believers? Say that, that we would that we would be fruitful and that we would be effective. It says if you have these qualities and you're growing in these qualities, it says you will not be ineffective and you will not be unfruitful. But what we see here is uh, is that God has given us everything we need to live a life that brings honor to Him. And if we want to be effective, if we want to be fruitful, if we want to be used of the Lord, we need to be growing in these things. We need to be growing in the knowledge of the Lord. And so in spite of God's revelation of His, tremendously, His tremendous generosity toward us, 
Christians often think that God is somehow lacking in dispensing of his grace. We trust him saying, I place my faith in him and he has sealed me for eternity. I know I belong to him, but he can't take care of me today. So we're, tra- we're trusting our eternity to him, but I can't trust him for today. See, that something, something's backward about that. He may, uh, so many people believe this, and we, or maybe we don't believe it, but we act like we do. We believe that maybe he's just given us enough grace for justification, but not enough for sanctification. Meaning we trust him for our eternity, but not for today. Peter utterly rejects this notion. God's grace is sufficient for salvation. His grace is sufficient for sanctification, meaning as you grow and become more like Christ, and eventually our glorification. God's grace is sufficient for all of it. From the time we come to know Him to the time we, we are with Him, he, he is gracious to us and He's given us everything that we need. Peter says in this passage that we've received divine power of God. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, we have that same power within us through the Holy Spirit. Not our own self, not something that we do our own on our own, it's the Holy Spirit. Divine provision. So we see that His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's provided us all things. Not some things, not most things, all things. We have everything that we need to grow and to live a life that brings honor to Him. He also says that we have this divine procurement, meaning this knowledge of, of Him, the true knowledge of Him. Not what the world thinks, not what, the, uh, not what our preconceived notions of Him are. He's given us the true knowledge of who He is and divine promises by which He has granted us His, his uh, precious and very great promises. He says, I've given you everything you need. I promise that. And you're going to have everything you need to live a godly life. Now it's just a matter of us doing that. It's a matter of us doing that. And that's where the discipline comes in because it's not easy. It's, not, it's, it's a hard thing to do. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. It takes uh, consistency. And I'm really bad at all those things. I don't know about you, but those are not easy. That's what makes it hard. That's what makes it discipline. The Apostle Peter is clear. God has given us all that we need and we must make every effort to grow. It doesn't just happen on its own. I wish it did. I wish we got saved, go to sleep one night, and next day you wake up and things are great. But it's not. It doesn't work that way. Kind of like anything in life. A lot of things uh, that are well worthwhile are hard. Oftentimes, and we you know, talk to you know, our kids about this as well is don't take the easy route. Don't take the easy road. Take you know, things that are things that are worthwhile in life are hard work, and so it doesn't happen on its own. It's going to take effort on our part. If I may, the last area we want to look at is spiritual practice. And again, like I said, next week we'll start getting into the discipline starting next week. Tonight we just kind of a little bit just. A, Information about what they are and why they're important. But spiritual practice. Practicing spiritual disciplines, again, as I've said a few times, it's not easy. Jesus reminded his disciples that that, uh, believers would be, we'd experience hatred, uh, persecution. Spiritual disciplines help us get ready for difficult moments. And difficult moments do come. 
And we've had them this last year, and we can rest assured we're going to have them this year as well. But there's difficult moments. And these spiritual disciplines help us get ready for these difficult moments. These moments of persecution. Moments of temptation. Moments of doubt. Moments of grief. They help prepare us for these things. uh, So that we can respond appropriately. Oftentimes, God allows things in our lives, and they're for our good. We don't like them. They're painful. We We don't... We. We prefer they didn't happen, but God can use those to grow us, and He uses those. Because ultimately, what is God's will for our life? I talked in our class about this on Sunday. What's God's ultimate will for your life? Is that you be conformed to the image of God, or of Christ. So His ultimate goal for your life is that you be, that you be conformed to the image of His Son. And He'll do that by any means necessary. And sometimes that means things we prefer didn't come into our life, come into our life. And so, or sometimes things just can get difficult. We're going to face... Uh, temptation. We might t- face persecution. Uh, there'll be time periods of doubt. There'll be periods of, uh, of all kinds of things that we that we uh, struggle with, and they can be used to grow our relationship with the Lord. Spiritual deep, uh, disciplines <clears throat> help us deepen our relationship with God. God does not desire a shallow relationship with Him. He desires a deep relationship. With him. He desires me a deep, satisfying, loving, transforming relationship with us individually and as a community of believers. Christ, yet Christ did die for you, but ultimately, He died for the church. He loves the church. He died for the church. And so you can't go do this on your own. And so He desires that relationship with you individually, but also you need to be a part of the corporate body of Christ. And I'm glad that you're here, and be, but be faithful. Be faithful uh, and come and be a part of what God is doing. That is practicing these spiritual disciplines is when we come together as the body of Christ. Spiritual disciplines, they build, build in us attitudes, emotions, thoughts, and actions that will promote the kind of relationship God uh, with God in our heart uh, that our hearts yearn for. It builds this in us. And by the way, we need to remember that we are created by God for God. We oftentimes don't think about that. But every single person in here, you are created by God for Him. And we can never find satisfaction or fulfillment in life unless we're in a right relationship with Him because we are created for Him. He created you to be and uh, for Himself. And so it creates these spiritual disciplines. They build in us attitudes, emotions, thoughts, and actions that will promote that kind of relationship with God that our hearts yearn for. And your heart does yearn for it because God created you that way. And so when we're not in right relationship with the Lord, uh, there's this, this uh, dissatisfaction, this emptiness that we feel uh, because we're not right with our Creator. And so you were created by God for God. In this quote, John Ortberg, <clears throat> he said, A disciplined person is someone who can do the right thing at the right time, in the right way, with the right spirit. He says that's what a discipline, and I'll read that one more time. A disciplined person is someone who can do the right thing at the right time, in the right way, with the right spirit. He says this is what we desire to be. So the challenge tonight, make sure we didn't, all right, I had to make sure we were good on time. But the challenge tonight 
is will you make it your aim this year to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ and develop spiritual disciplines in your life? Will you commit to do that? Say, I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to spend time in his word. I'm going to, I'm going to be committed to being part of the body of Christ. I'm going to be, I want to, uh, I want to be more involved in evangelism and service. I want to see people come to know Christ. And so I'm going to do these things so that my relationship with the Lord grows. And so make it your aim this year to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ and develop spiritual disciplines in your life. And it's going to start, and the first one we'll talk about next week, is spending time in God's Word. If we don't spend time in God's Word, we don't know what He wants. We don't know what He commands. We don't know what He says. That's how he speaks to us through His Word. And so that is going to be the first one we talk about next week, is spending time in God's Word. The next one is prayer. Prayer's hard. That's a hard thing to do. And I like what our pastor, he always says, he says, if you wait until you feel like praying, you never will. Again, we're talking about discipline. It's hard, but it's well worth it. The best things in life are things that you had to work. The best things in life don't come easy. And so the best thing for each one of us is to, is to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and to live for His honor and glory. And that is what I desire to do this year, personally. I desire uh, to do that, uh, that our church would do that. And I desire that for you and as well. Because when we leave this place, each one of us, we go to our different places of work and we know a lot of different people. You know a lot of people that I don't know and I know people you don't know. We go home to our families and we, have, we can be people who have great influence. And so I pray that we would do that this year as well. Whether in our homes, in our places of work, that we have influence uh, for the Lord. And so that is my prayer for, uh, for me, for us as a church, and for, and for you as well. And so... Um, that's the challenge, to make it your aim to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. And so we'll talk about more ways to do this, and it'll be very and it'll be practical ways we can do this, and we'll start that next week. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your love for us. Oh, Lord, something that we can't earn, we don't deserve, and yet you've been gracious to us. And um, Lord, I pray that you'd help us this year to make it our aim to live for your honor, for your glory. To grow in, in grace and the knowledge of you, that we would develop these spiritual disciplines in our life, and that when we look back in December of this year, we would say, what a great year of growth in, in the grace, and that we'll be grateful for your grace that you've given us to do it. So Lord, I thank you for your promise that you've given us everything, that, everything we need to live a life of godliness, and so Lord, I pray that you'd help us to really believe that. You really begin to dive into your word and spend time in prayer and that, Lord, our obedience would grow, that our faith would grow, and that you'd use us to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I ask that you work in and through us this year. In Jesus' name, amen.